0: Welcome to the Founder Haven Podcast. I'm Sarah Miller. In my conversations with founders, we learn more about their journey into founderhood and how they navigated the tough stuff. Thank you so much again, just for for taking the time today, Lisa. I really appreciate it. Um, so I was just sharing with you before I hit the record button. Um, a little bit about one of the reasons I like to have or having these conversations with women founders and female founders is because one, I just want to give them the space to be recognized for the work that they're doing. Um, just cause I feel like so many people don't realize how many female founders there actually are out in the world. <laughs> I actually had a client one time say to me, they're like, that's interesting that you work with female founders. Are there that many? Because can you build a business on working with
1: oh God? <laughs>
0: like, yeah. 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 Um, And then, so bringing recognition, but also I think I would like to just help normalize pieces of the experience of being a founder. Um, It's an interesting sort of lived experience. I've lived next to it, I think, and also lived it myself a bit um, in my own life. And it's a unique experience, but I think that so many women look at it and they're like, I could never do that. Even other women founders look at other founders, and they're like, I don't know how she's doing it all. She's amazing. Like clearly she doesn't sleep at night and she's able to do everything all at once and everything. So um, I was just kind of curious your thoughts on some
1: of that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I very much used to feel that way. So I was a VC for just under two years. And if I rewind the tape to try and explain why I decided to become a VC in the first place, I think it was because I was really interested in entrepreneurship. Okay. But also totally did not think that I could start a company myself. Like the person I most respected in my business school class is a founder. Um, he's one of my dear friends, his company has gone on to be really successful, which is great for him. Um, and I looked at him and was like, you are, you know, organized and creative and you're a leader and like all these things that i have not um so i'll be a vc it's like it's cool um and being a vc was a really fun job and i got to talk to lots of founders and um there were three founders in particular chris bennett of wonder school david mcdonough of common stock and kim june of sorceress uh who i think said to me in various ways like you seem more like a founder type than a vc type what are you doing as a vc which was very weird for me to hear cuz it didn't what does that mean? How I thought of myself i guess <laughs> so it would like that mean? i i took it as a compliment like you're not an uptight vc
0: ah
1: <laughs> uh, okay um, like, or like you don't seem to, yeah or like you don't seem to care about being a vc maybe that much okay. with some of it like you seem to be more excited about the, the startup side than the finance side, which was definitely true. Um, anyways, I don't know why I would need, I should check in with them and ask what, what it was they saw. But anyways, I heard this and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And anyways, it, it like started to, I think, change the narrative in my own head about whether I could or could not. And I started to realize that the only thing separating me from the people across the table pitching me, is that they were braver than I was. They'd they'd made the choice, and I hadn't made the choice. Um, But like, there wasn't anything competency-wise that was necessarily holding me back. Yeah. And so with that, I, you know, that made it pretty damning. Like, okay, (laughs) now that you know that, (laughs) you either have to live with the fact that you, you know, weren't brave enough to make this choice, or you should be brave enough to do the choice so that you don't regret it. Um, and then my firm kind of gave me a nudge in that they were going okay. through a rough patch, which was a perfect catalyst for me to say, to examine what I wanted to do next. Okay. And um, decided that I didn't want to work at another VC fund. I tried recruiting for other venture funds. My heart was just not in it. Just wasn't there. Like, because I want to do this other thing. Yeah.
0: It's such an interesting path because so often founders go on to BVCS. Yeah. Right. Like that's usually kind of a calling card of lots of them is like I did this company and this one and this one and this one and now I'm investing in X Y Z. And so you took an interesting path to get there. So once you made this acknowledgement of like, okay, the only thing different from me than these people sitting across the table is just bravery. Like how did you access that in yourself? Like what is that? What is that phenomenon where you're like, now I will be brave?
1: Like what is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was it was so hard. So at the time, I was, um, I I knew that I was gonna have to leave my fund, um, okay. and the the inertia in my life, momentum in my life, was set up to very strongly hurl me at other venture firms like yeah i had vcs in the world emailing me trying to yep. get me to recruit with them i had a partner who was trying to be so helpful and he introduced me to like 20 contacts of his and they all yep. wanted to meet my calendar just started getting blown up with like vc interviews mm-hmm. and i am a person who uh is an optionality addict and so I was like, "Cool, these are like options. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Look at all the sparkly things in front of me. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. But in my body, in my heart of hearts, I knew also that I didn't actually want any of these options, and that it would require some bravery, it would require some bravery in and of itself to turn the options down without anything else there, mm-hmm. right? Uh, And I wish I could say that I actually was brave enough to turn them down without anything else there, but that's not in fact how it happened. Um, My now co-founder and I, during this period of time, ended up on a ski trip together. Uh, She and I are friends, we're friends first, and we were with a crew of friends. And almost as a joke, uh, the friends started to say, you know, you guys are both going through career transitions. Like, you should start a company. You would work well together. And so, as a joke, we explored it, and we were like, yeah, we could start a company that does da da da. We're both passionate about da da da. And um, somebody looked up the Y Combinator application deadline, and it was in a month. Okay. And so then, okay. the joke, then the joke kind of. Sp- snowballed a little bit and it was okay. like okay you guys are going to start a company you're going to apply to yc you know we'll check back in with you next ski trip basically and i think for both of us it it uh, resonated a lot there we were excited about this whether we were willing to admit to each other the seriousness of it yet and um my co-founder was the one who got there first she said look like i know i want to quit my job i'm gonna do this like you in you out and hearing that of course i was like yeah i'm yeah. let's <laughs> yes uh, okay at the time i had said no or at least made it clear to some of the vc funds i was interviewing with that i wasn't really in it but there was one um there was a um three founders, three pretty prolific founders who were kind of courting me to start their family office, so to speak. And I was like the interview process with them. And that became the last option that I had to shut to make the founding thing official. And I still remember I flew to Minneapolis because my co-founder and I were going to do a weekend before our YC interview to like, you know, um, memorize things, whatnot. And I had these guys had reached out to want to check in with me. And I told her, I'm going to back out of the process. And I was so scared, like so scared to say no to them, even though I decided what I was going to do. Somehow saying no to them would make the founding thing official. Yeah, Uh, And I was so scared and so nervous that I got on, I had to make this call from, the like local Muni train in Minneapolis. And I got on a train going the yeah. wrong direction and I had this <laughs> call with them She's and then very called, prophetic. called my now co-founder and was like, um, bad news. I'm an hour away from your apartment. Good news. We're doing this. Awesome.
0: That's so prophetic, right? there. you're just like, I'm literally going in the opposite <laughs> direction when I'm trying to go in this other direction. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's so interesting to me how, like, it doesn't, it doesn't, in my mind, it doesn't lessen the amount of bravery if there's such a thing. um, When people decide to go in one direction versus another, because I actually think it takes a lot, I mean, just to say no to some of those things, but it's actually sometimes just safer to go the way that you want to go. Like Hmm. the thought, right, the thought of actually staying with something that is not where your heart's at and not what feels right to you. To me, like it, it sounds safer in some ways because it's a more of a guarantee. Like you can get money coming in, you know. But then when I usually like when people kind of take that to its, you know, logical end, they're like, oh, but I'm going to be miserable. Like that's true, yeah, which is true. scary, right?
1: And yeah, and luckily, I'd had an experience being miserable early in my career, mm. and I'm so grateful for that because I love that. Um, <laughs> Because I knew my like, I knew right. how I behaved in those environments, and I knew that I can't. I'm not good at faking it. Yeah. And so, yeah. Can
0: I ask what it was? Is it? It was too, consulting. It's... I worked
1: at being okay. which is such a okay. lovely place to work. Sure. Like, yes. Social wise, it was amazing, um, yeah. but I just knew that I didn't like being a management consultant. It's the opposite of being a founder. You have no control. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Isn't that amazing? I also had a really terrible early, some really terrible early work experiences where I was in a completely different field, mm. but it was such a gift yeah. in the end because it completely made me, I was like, I must get away from this, miserableness, you know, yeah. and not to knock the people that I was working with, but it was like, this is such a bad fit. It was completely safer to go in the yeah. other direction, yeah, 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 yeah. even though it was an insane direction, but like it was, yeah.
1: Yeah. So there you go.
0: That's so interesting. Um, so w- there was a piece that you said in there, hang on, let me think about how you said it. Oh, you were, it almost sounded like you were transitioning into this identity of being a founder. And you're like, I couldn't really think of myself as a founder.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There was like, I don't know, you said it in a certain way, I'm probably not capturing quite right. But yeah, like, what does it mean to you then to say like, what steps had to happen then saying like, i'm a founder like what is that <laughs> i mean it's not like a <laughs> perhaps but um but like yeah. what does it actually mean to you or what hat did you feel like you then had to put on uh, to feel so more hard. comfortable kind of yeah. adding that to your identity
1: yeah i don't even necessarily think of myself as a founder often even though i am one now yeah um,
0: for a few years now at least right? yeah because you started running yeah. in
1: 2019 yeah. okay Okay, right. yeah, I yeah. think of my, I think in the day to day about the specific jobs I do, right? I'm our CEO, but I don't even think of myself in that title. I think of, you know, I'm, I uh, plug into our product process in a certain way. I plug into recruiting in a certain way. I manage people in a certain way. Like I think of okay. myself as the aggregation of the various work to be done, um, which is interesting. Uh, What does it mean to be a founder? I mean, I think it is, um, I think what changed is that I was my own boss. Mm -hmm. I was calling the shots along with my co-founder about what we do. Of course, yeah. And I got to set the vision and the values of how we'd work and all of that so there was no longer any dissonance between you know yeah. the job decreed from on high and yeah. what i wanted yeah. to it feels like um, being a founder is almost by definition really great alignment of self and work yeah um being a founder also on the flip side of that means that you are the one responsible and i think that for me might have been the biggest shift Uh, is that i was not the junior associate anymore um i was the person to whom the buck would pass when things got tough um but i found that exciting at least in the start (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) so should we do like how how it started and how it's going sort of things
1: like (laughs) yeah (laughs) totally totally. yeah um i'm trying to think back to the So the early days of being a founder, we were in YC. It was very unglamorous, but in a sexy way in that we had, I had just moved into a new house. We had no furniture. We put our table in the center of our living room. We had two whiteboards and two office chairs. And Alexa and I worked there every day for five months, I think, before we got ourselves an office. Um, And so, you know, it didn't feel like it did not feel glorious and <laughs> like we were looking at each other wondering if this would possibly work and if everyone would think that we were totally insane um and for most of that summer i'd say we uh vacillated between thinking that we'd be out of business within three months and feeling <laughs> on top of the world uh-huh. um there was this moment, there was was a lot of fear I had early in the process about losing face with the venture folks I had just worked with, right? Because some people maybe knew that I had left to start a company, but I have a feeling I was like five people total. Most people had no idea that I was no longer a VC. Okay. And coming out of YC, we launched, you know, tried to get as much press and publicity as possibly can. And of course, yeah. everyone on my Twitter account was former investors who I'd worked with. And so I knew instantly people are gonna know. Yep. Um, and I don't think at this point, even my own mother knew what we were actually working on. She knew we were starting a company, but I hadn't been brave enough yet to tell her what. Uh, and so I was Interesting. so fearful that <laughs> of the judgment that I would get somehow of, you decided to start what? A community for women 50 and over? What's the business there? Like why, why did you get a Harvard degree to go do that? Those were the paranoia running through my head. And I remember the day we launched in YC part, I drafted a tweet, one of the YC partners retweeted it and it started to do its thing. Uh huh. And I was just sitting there waiting for some snarky message from somebody. And instead it was all of this love, like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is so cool. Like go, you guys like, da, 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 Um, and I think. Were that, you worried
0: that the pushback was going to be because you transitioned from being a VC to a founder or specifically related to what Revel is doing or. I
1: specifically I, it was specifically related to what Revel is doing. I was okay. worried of the immediate judgment from investors that the problem i had chosen to tackle was gotcha. not worthy
0: so like no. if you were doing something that was going to be revolutionizing i don't know fill in the blank some sort of tech problem mm-hmm. then it would have been like whoa, you know you would have expected yeah oh my gosh like she's okay. so smart
1: right like da, da, da. and mm-hmm. i i was just not sure would it yeah and yeah. i think i think going through that was the was when my baptism as a founder happened. Okay. Because I had to um, accept a fundamental truth of being a founder, which is you can't wait for other people to tell you that they agree with your idea. You have to hold the idea and believe it so deeply in case of other people disagreeing with you. And that's when you get respect, (laughs) paradoxically. because you you and your idea and your strength of conviction about the idea actually changes somebody else's belief um okay so i have a questions about that yeah
0: okay so this is where um me being a psychologist i can't help myself (laughs) (laughs) um because i think that that piece that you just said is really interesting and i think that's something that some people really well i I should say all of us struggle with at one point or another just how do you hold on to a conviction Mm -hmm. how do you hold on to it and stay with it like ground yourself in it no matter whatever sort of storm is going on around you Mm -hmm. whether that's the storm in our own minds of Mm self-doubt or whether that's the storm around you of other people saying like i don't understand i don't understand why why would you do this thing like you're saying this is like kind of the Baptism of being a founder is being able to stand in your conviction of like, no, I think this is an interesting idea. I think this is a worthy thing for me to dedicate my work life to and parts of your personal
1: life. Um, <laughs> that happens. Yeah, for real. So like
0: for you, how do you access and stand in that conviction?
1: Uh for me, it's it the work I do ties to um such fun fundamental parts of me and my life that okay. it's almost like, um, it, I, I would have a really hard time imagining a world in which I would lose the conviction, right? Because some of the fundamental beliefs that led us to start Rebel are, um, are uh, women are worthy as we age, um, yep, uh, women as we age tend to become more and more invisible, yeah. um, uh, that ageism and sexism combine to be pretty pernicious, uh, that uh, women are really gritty, <laughs> and often when we're stomped down we get stronger. Uh, and so like really all of those things it. combined, you know, uh-huh. make me feel pretty strongly that the rebel yeah. member is deserving of the rebel platform. Um and the way I was raised, it was just my mom and me. I always saw that older women had a lot of strength was just a thing. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe I could um maybe there's a world where I could lose conviction for. The specific product that we designed, and like whether it's the right one to match the need, but no one can tell me that the need doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, the value is there. Yeah. It's just a matter of how it gets executed. That's debatable potentially, but the mission and the value is there. Like
1: we might be bad product managers in the end, or like timing just wasn't right, or da, da da da, but like the need's there
0: yeah nobody's gonna argue with us about this yeah (laughs) nobody's gonna i mean they could try but yeah
1: (laughs) yeah and so i i don't know if that's a necessary condition for being a founder it's like you have to have that kind of belief i could see how it's helpful because self-doubt is real
0: yeah well and as a founder you're out there I think well i should say i would think it'd be enormously hard if you didn't have some of it not to say that self-doubt doesn't come in like doubt i mean inevitably like our minds are going to come up with some self-doubt right whether you're pitching to people or talking to other people (laughs) or like all the time right but i mean it's got to be there at least some of the time because i don't know how honestly you would ever make it through pitching through marketing through bringing in new members i mean i've read you know the stories online with you about going to all of the hikes and going to all of the coffee chats and like, I don't know how you could keep that going if you didn't fully believe in the mission, I mean,
1: yeah. it would just, yeah. It would be really tiring. That would be and, really And like, I don't want to make it seem like I'm, you know, fully realized and in the mission all the time, like probably I have those moments, maybe glimmers of it in a week and most of it That's these course. days feels like walking through mud.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. I have a few different directions, but I'm going to go with the walking through mud thing because <laughs> I actually want to hear, I actually do want to come back to hearing more about, um, and I hope it's okay if I'm saying out loud, like you being a woman in your thirties and starting this mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. Um, and not because I think that's weird, but I, I like, even as I was reading other things online, I can imagine that you got these questions about yes. that. And so I'm just, I'm curious a little bit more, but the, with the walking through mud, um, with all of the the extreme highs and lows of being a founder what do you do to just like recharge how do you what do you do
1: the number one thing i do is sleep (laughs) (laughs) beautiful that's
0: a beautiful answer and next let's go to the next one (laughs)
1: like i mean honestly i like i wish i were more skilled at meditation and mindfulness and you know all the things my executive coach used to tell me to do but what i've um what i've been able to actually put in practice is rather than uh, be in a state of reaction and then try to resolve it that same day sometimes being um self-aware about hey like just sleep on it come back to it tomorrow and
0: of the time that helps. It is amazing how much sleep actually does. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm quite glad you said sleep is number one, because I think that there's historically anyway, been this notion of like, you just gotta get like sleepless nights and you can't, you know, you've got to work yourself to the bone and things like that. And I'm sure you do your fair share of that. Um, just because there's so many demands on your time, but also acknowledging like we just don't function that well without sleep we just don't we don't think clearly everything seems worse some yeah. people get really weepy and like uh, just yeah. like everything seems really sad and like it's going to crash and burn and um it's amazing it's like it's one of the things i do with people the most is just saying like i don't know before we talk about all the other things like how about you just get a good night's sleep yeah. so i think you're actually really wise to put yeah. that out there to say that's really number 1 yeah um how do you know if you're stressed like if i was a fly on the wall Mm. and i was watching you lisa (laughs) in a moment
1: of stress what would i see um when i'm stressed i get um what's the word harsh Mm. less so with my uh team and more so in my personal life so stressed lisa unfortunately takes it out on her husband or takes it out on herself. Yeah. Yes. What uh, does that look like?
0: What does I mean, that look like? like just <laughs> that's like a personal
1: question, but like <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> we don't like, think it's a personal. Total, question. What
0: it, what it
1: looks like is like, um, tornado of self doubt and hatred all spiraling in one, right? And so okay. you don't yeah. remember to, you know. Put it in perspective. You're just like, oh my gosh, I did that. I could have done that like ten thousand ways better. You know, I'm gonna be the way the the reason rebel fails, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
0: I didn't know anything about any of those types of experiences. Nothing. <laughs> I never have such experiences and always have it together. Um, <laughs> no, I I hear you. Actually, I echo that as well. Like in my own personal life, that's where I will notice it. It's like it's harder to be a mom it's harder to be a spouse it's just all of those things get yeah if i was a freudian person like, i'm sure they have some term for like projection or something i don't do that kind of work but like <laughs> i'm sure yeah there's gotta
1: be some sure term.
0: the whole kick the dog thing yeah.
1: um
0: yeah okay so let, tell me a little bit more about if you don't mind some of the experiences that you had just in building rebel as a woman in your thirties. Yeah. Normally I would not like press women on their age, even though I think there's nothing wrong with being quite frank about our ages, but, um, but I want to respect people's various sensitivities to things, but yeah, I don't think it's weird, but I can just imagine that some people could just like go, Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we like? get the question. We get the question all the time. Um, I think in the early days of Rebel, I was more floored by it in that it seemed to be. Yeah. Um, the 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 women who would ask it or the women who would say it. Um, seemed to think that we couldn't start a company for women over 50 as anything but women over 50, right? So it was, it was, um, so
0: interesting denying to me, us
1: our, like ability, I guess, or denying
0: women in their fifties as founders would also probably get, be under greater scrutiny for being in their fifties and starting a company. Yes. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. This is interesting. I don't know.
1: Um, and so it, it, it bummed me out. Like we had, there were two specific experiences. One was, um, we were launching rebel. Um, this journalist Kate Clark at TechCrunch interviewed us and she was so mean in the interview and she was basically saying like, um, you know, what, what gives you the right to start this company? Also, why should this be a company? This should be a nonprofit. And it made me so mad. And I didn't know then why it made me as mad as it did. Um, Took me some time to unpack that. Uh, Second experience was that Alexa and I in the early days threw events at my house because we needed to start somewhere. And um, there was one in October of 2019. There were probably 30 women there. Seemed like a really good event. We met a lot of people. Um, They were very excited about Rebel the next day i'm sitting at the local redwood city coffee shop and i overhear a conversation where someone's like oh my gosh i was at this event last night it was so awkward it was these two harvard business school young girls who think that we women in our 50s you know that's that and i was just like oh my god and honestly that was probably the biggest self-doubt it was like for sure have we used st- have is this not gonna work because this belief is so strong out there in the world that like we as women in our 30s can't start a community for anybody but our own so age interesting um, and you know I the more I thought about it the more I realized wait hold up like there are men who start companies for women with no one questioning them that's how it's always been um, yep. there are people in the pharma industry who start companies for like medical conditions they do not have so what is it about this situation that somehow is causing this angst yeah. right yeah um and i suppose what bothered me the most about it is that i i understand like, i i agree with the criticism in some part. And that I think is where it taps into my own um, like sense of integrity, I guess. It it feels like a violation of my own sense of integrity. Like, hey, am I actually building a community for someone I'm not a part and that's a bad thing? Like, I don't like that, that's not motivating. Um, Anyways, I think what we believe is that Revel needs to exist we're as qualified to start it as anybody else. Yeah. Um, we absolutely are not trying to exploit anybody, nor do we think that we'll succeed by um, like not actually listening to our community and not actually listening to our end user, right? So yeah. even if we were building for a demographic we were currently a part of we'd have to be attentive to user research but here all the more so it's like how can we set up the company to make sure that we always have um multiple people whispering in our ear who are of the demographic who can make sure that we're not letting our biases yeah you know steer us in the wrong direction yeah that's where that's where we go um and you know every single time we're in a space with our own members or meeting somebody for the first time, the question comes up. And sometimes when the question comes up, it bums me out. Uh, And I've just kind of learned to live with it.
0: Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you use it as a cue to you to tap in again to the reason why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And this resolve to really bring that understanding of the community through getting to know your, your target like yeah. getting to know them trying to understand them better so that you can honor what it is that ever is most important to them and what they want like as i so i'm a rebel member now and yes. i've attended a couple events um, which i'm glad it seems like it started off with 50 plus but now it's 40 plus so i'm yes, able correct. to join yes because now i'm in my 40s <laughs> and um and it was interesting looking at all of the events and like, it's lovely because it seems like it's, it's in many ways, it's user generated, yeah, right? It's, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. user generated sort of events, right? Which is lovely because you kind of took it and said, okay, it's not like I'm going to sit here and pretend to know all of the things that are going to be of interest to in this community. We're totally. going to let them
1: decide what it is totally. that's most important to them. Yeah. yeah exactly. Like we, we just cannot, such a do wide variety. there was, there was, some, there was a moment in YC when Alexa and I thought that we would be an in-person uh, so, kind of like the wing, but we would also yep. curate the content. So, we would have to yep. figure out a space, figure out content, and find members. And yep. then we're no. like, no, we can't do no. all the things. No. We can no. just, like, let's just build the tools <laughs> that give them our the members space. can use it for us um, or yeah. use the tools as they wish. And yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. Like, what are we, like, we're trying to build the tech and the platform such that she yeah. can use it to feel empowered. Um, and of course, along the way, have gotten to meet so many members now who yeah. really buy into that and want us to succeed and tell us so, and so that like yeah. it ends up being this really positive feedback cycle where you're like, oh, okay, awesome. cool, I'm not crazy. There's no. something here. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, gone.
0: and it's refreshing too, just because. Um, so I'm on the younger end, so I'm I'm 42, yeah. and um, and I'm finding yeah, I'm I mean I'm. I'm yeah, on the younger end of it, but it's, it's so interesting for me to be in there. Like I, <clears throat> the first one I attended was an author, so it wasn't inter, um, interactive. The second one was very interactive mm-hmm. and what was so amazing to me, because I, I find that like in your forties, you're in this kind of in between. So like I'm in my forties, but yet I have a two, five and seven year old right. kids. Right? right. So like I'm an old mom, <laughs> a yeah. bit yeah. older mom um Downright geriatric,
1: according to my doctors. <laughs> geriatric is thirty five and up. It's I crazy. That. that was when I had my first kid. Was it thirty five. Yeah. I, I had, I home, had my first like... kid. I was thirty. I must have been thirty one when I like wa- walked into my OB okay. and he told me I was pregnant, and he said, "You are a baby." And I was like, "What? I'm a woman. Like, what are you talking about? You can't call me a baby." <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. But anyways, in Palo Alto, yeah. apparently the average age of first pregnancy is around yeah,
0: three, yeah. Well, that and I had a lot of friends who were also were having friends just because like I went to grad school so I was older when I wasn't out of school
1: until I was like
0: 31. And um and so like I had lots of friends and things that were that were started a little bit later, and so it wasn't abnormal to me but when I worked with that walked into that first appointment they're like, "Well, you're um a- a- AMA." And I was like, "What is AMA?" And they said advanced maternal age. <laughs> and I was like, like, <laughs> okay anyway um but th- it's an age period i find like especially with 40s and 50s where you're like okay if i go to certain other kinds of like networking events i feel quite a bit older and i don't it doesn't it's just a different lived experience than with women in their 20s and even early 30s yeah. and yet i'm not quite like you know right. but um in my 60s yet in dealing with some of the other things that are kind of more prominent in that, in those, in that sort of phase of life. And so I was so attracted to this space where I was like, oh, it's interesting. I can get one, a connection with a community that's a little bit more like closer to me in age, who has some similar, similar sort of like phase of life, like developmentally speaking experiences, but I can also have this gift of wisdom from people who have been been around longer than me, which I think is enormously valuable yeah and so hard for women to find i think and not that i'm trying to place that expectation on the women in the group of course yeah, right yeah, yeah. going I, into I, it and saying please <laughs> for yeah. your wisdom but it's lovely to just be surrounded by that diverse sort of um yeah yeah diverse sort of ages i love it i love it yeah no i was really taken just because i i joined a group of um other entrepreneurs and oh cool
1: that's brand new this launched two
0: days ago I, yeah and i was like this is really cool because i'm in with some women who are um yeah in their 50s but also up to like lovely people in their 70s who are totally. still like i'm starting a new business and i'm totally seven, i mean six this is, this old, is, is true
1: is on rebel's team as well right i our team does not look like a normal tech team a typical tech team yeah. Um, yeah. Don't want really to use the word normal because, in fact, we're trying to yeah. change what normal is. But um, we span an age from twenty-four to seventy-four. That's so cool! <laughs> it's that's super so cool. cool. It's super cool. Uh, and like, probably we're guilty of reverse ageism in that, <laughs> that all the people who'd rather have older employees. But, that's awesome! Yeah. I love it.
0: Um. Okay, I'm just being mindful of time. What do you like to do for fun? Can I ask like what you like to do for fun?
1: Uh, I mean, before I had a kid, I would <laughs> run, bike, like I was triathlete type, um, went out to dinner. <laughs> uh, I don't know, traveled, Like to road trip. Now with a kid, mostly it's going to playgrounds, trying to eat out maybe once a month. <laughs> Well, and
0: also you have an eighteen-month-old, so that means like you've been. Oh, so you—he's a pandemic. He's a pandemic baby. baby yes. Yes, he's a born pandemic baby. California
1: went into lockdown.
0: Oh, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh,
0: that must have been really stressful.
1: It was. I mean, it, so I think about the the alternate universe where COVID yeah. hadn't happened, right? In that alternate okay. universe. Lauren was born March 27th. Six weeks later, I would have been back in our shared office in San Francisco, commuting on the Caltrain with my pump and all the accessories, and sitting in this okay. really sad closet probably for four hours of my workday, and then commuting back and missing my kid. Yeah. Um, what actually got to happen was I was here until he was five months old, and. Um, Yep. On the plus side, I was here. On the dad's side, we didn't have childcare because it was COVID. Uh, and so <laughs> my husband and I yes. juggled, and that did not look pretty. Um, yeah. But then, when we got our lovely nanny, it was possible yeah. for me to leave the house again. Um, awesome. And of course, in those five months, I really craved our family. Now yeah. that my family has met him, I'm like, actually, that was a blessing in <laughs> disguise. <to Scott." laughs> you know as you go into it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, do you mind if I ask you some questions just about being a mom and being a founder as well? Do you mind? I find it's a tough topic just because I find that, and I agree with wholeheartedly when, when women are like, there's no such thing as a working father, you know? And, um, which I agree. It's true. There's a, you know, there's, we don't ask men questions about how they balance it all. Mm-hmm. Right. And how they manage all of the things. And I agree with that a hundred percent. And also statistically speaking, we know that women just carry a lot of extra stuff yeah. when it comes to being a parent. And um, even when we have really awesome partners, Um, I mean, like with breastfeeding and things like this, like if that's what you're doing, I mean, it's, it's just more. So I feel like it also doesn't, it doesn't like do it justice to say like, yeah, we shouldn't acknowledge the fact that moms do a lot, Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to that. So I'm curious, like, what does it look like? Just like, where are some of the biggest pain points for you? Um... Also, I'm going to ask you how you like deal with them. So not just like. I'm yeah, struggling yeah. with all the things, but like also what are you doing? Because again, yeah. it goes back to this thing of we think that women are somehow made, magically able to do it all.
1: Yeah. And I, bet I think, think the know. biggest pain point for me was energetic. Mm. Right? Like yes. I, um, yes. and gotten kids from, <laughs> it's not, it's so much better yeah. now. He's 18 months old. I don't feel this nearly yeah. as acutely as I used to. Um so a newborn is tough yeah but like when he was zero to six months and we had no help and it was pandemic and i had a startup like very literally i did not have as much time as i needed to give should have got given to either him or the company yeah Um, and you know so the best i could do was try to hyper optimize the company stuff because the baby stuff couldn't be hyper-optimized. It was just like, he needed to eat every That's it hour <laughs> <and> <laughs> hours, right? Like, it's no, not, no there's no negotiating. Around. Yeah. Um, I can negotiate with my husband about what he could do. Like, I could pay for a nanny, which we chose to do. Yeah. Um, but that was, that was that. And then, um, I think being able to be, like being able to have other founder mom people i could vent to because i was in a mom's group of you know mom people my age like of yeah. my networks but they didn't really get it either like i couldn't vent to them they were all like yeah. i'm returning to my tech job what was me da, da, da. and i was like no you don't get it um like, so i needed different. someone who, like really understood it and i have yeah. one one of my best friends bridesmaids at my wedding is a founder mom of a six-month-old and so had someone to validate that it's not me it's just really hard it's just really hard yeah. um and I don't know probably the most acute was earlier this year we went through a fundraise Lauren was 11 months at that point in time when we started the process yeah. and it was like um, you know I needed my husband to cover for me on weekends yeah uh, and I needed to not see my son on weekends and yeah. that was the hardest bit.
0: It's really hard. Yeah. Fundraising is brutal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't do it, but, <laughs> I, but I actually took care of all of our children while Rajiv was out. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah, yeah. distinctly remember these times in our life right. where it was like he was out fundraising and it's like, all right, I'm on my own.
1: <laughs> right. And I think yeah. that's where I got very resentful of my husband, Justin, because I had a feeling that if i were a man and i needed to fundraise for my company it would go without saying that like i'm gonna have my door closed and you know i will emerge in two months time with some money and instead it was like oh no nothing's changing about my home life like i need to do both i need to do my home stuff and now i need to take on 2x my work stuff yeah and so i like I both didn't have the emotional resources at that time to like even have that conversation with him and so it would just get like you know so mad and so resentful i think my co-founder bore some of this too where there were some weekends when i would get so peeved that i'd worked all weekend she didn't have to she wasn't doing the fundraise stuff anyways so like spilled over onto other people in my life Yeah, no, I
0: so appreciate you showing that just because I think that that is, um, I think those are the things that we only end up talking about down the road when couples are like, and this is why I got divorced. (laughs) (laughs) this is why it didn't work out. You know, because it's like, that resentment is is incredibly real, I think, especially for women, just because we, and then that's why I asked the questions about that specifically. It's because it's like, yeah, to not ask the question is to deny the very real experience, especially that Founder Moms are going through. It's like, nope, we feel like you really got to do all of it a hundred percent, right?
1: Right. And you're like not allowed to crack because if you crack, then you're labeled whiny and weak and, yeah. you know, yeah. so the only thing, the only things Founder Moms are allowed to tweet on Twitter is the bicep curl. <sighs>
0: Oh, you just killed me with that, like, this really, <laughs> oh, the, <laughs> oh, I just felt that, like, really hard. <laughs> I will never look at the bicep curl. <laughs> the same again. <laughs> oh, God, It just captures so much pain. <laughs> oh, oof, that was a kick to the gut. Um, <laughs> anyway um okay let me ask you um i have three questions that i wanted to ask you um just to kind of wrap it up what was one of the greatest fears that you had when building Revel?
1: Um, greatest fear i think greatest fear is um tied up with integrity for me. So the greatest fear is that someone would be able to legitimately attack my integrity in uh, starting this company. Mm. So in some ways it's come to pass.
0: And then how did you respond to that fear? And I don't mean just, I mean, you can speak literally if you want, but I'm also speaking kind of psychologically, like all of us have a choice on how we respond to difficult emotions, right? We can go in the direction of something that's meaningful, and important, or sometimes we go in an opposite direction where mm. we're avoiding and hiding and things like yeah. that. Right. I mean, we all do it. How did you respond to this fear?
1: Uh, probably more in the avoidant hiding, hiding phase, right? Like the reticence yeah. to speak very openly and loudly about what we were building on in the early days. You know, um, I certainly have that um, impulse to um, like not put myself out there and talk to my VC yep. friend and catch up with, yep. you know, proactively because I don't necessarily yeah. want what's going to come. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yep, do, do you consider yourself a bit more introverted or?
1: Yeah, I'm definitely ambiverted, probably have become more introverted yeah. in the pandemic yeah. times, yeah.
0: Oh gosh, yes,
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> that makes sense. Um,
0: and last one, what wisdom do you think you have gained from being, from your founder experience? What wisdom do you feel like you've gained?
1: Um, I mean, I've gained a lot of wisdom about womanhood So any biases I did have about what happens as we age have been just floored, shattered, (laughs) totally erased. Um, I think I, um, I see now that um, people care less about me than I might think. So there's like I, I think the next time around I would have um, less of a hard time being quote unquote brave, right? The bravery uh, it turns out is um, uh, is was more a function of these fears that were disproportionately loud in my head, but not actually based in real world data.
0: Yeah, oh, I like that though, that's super wise. Because that actually suggests that you can just practice being brave and get better at it. Yeah. 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 It's a practice thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's not like a magical thing that we can just somehow summon. Confidence and bravery and things like that come from practice and from actually doing the thing.
1: Right. And realizing, oh, like that wasn't the world didn't change. I'm the same person. Nothing. My mom still talks to me. (laughs) Like (laughs) she seems to think this company is legitimate. (laughs) It's all good. Yeah. I
0: love it, awesome. Thank you so much, Lisa. You gave such refreshingly honest answers and such insight into what it's like to be a founder. I just, I so appreciate you sharing all of that. I think there are going to be a lot of women who will be, um, who will enjoy watching it. Yeah. a
1: lot of fun.